Welcome to episode number 96 of Nurses Living the Good Life. My name's Ann Conkley. I'm a certified nurse midwife and a certified life and business coach, and I'm so glad that you're here. In this week's podcast, I'm bringing you a conversation that I have with Jenna Blake and a wonderful, I think, all-around conversation for those of you who are thinking about coaching, health coaching, you're thinking about functional medicine or a more customized and functional approach to hormone replacement, cycle syncing, Jenna Blake is your person. Uh, she is a FNP by training and also a health coach, certified health coach. And uh, in this episode, we talk really about how she's built her business and some of the things that she's applied. We talk um, and get personal about um, an experience that she had with a viral video that got almost 2 million views on TikTok and counting um, and tons and tons and tons of comments. And I think Jenna is a wonderful example, not only of what's possible as an NP and, and what we can do with the experience and the wisdom and the training that we have in terms of you know how we go out and service the people around us, but also Jenna's a great example of what we commonly go through as business owners and those of us who put ourselves out there to really create a title change in healthcare. And Jenna's a wonderful example of that, not only um, very vulnerable in terms of what she shares on the podcast, but also in terms of how she goes about it and, and really takes care of herself uh, through the process. So I invite you to listen. If you're a business owner, you'll probably find some comfort in hearing Jenna's story. And uh, I uh, invite you to check her out and go watch the video. We'll put a link to it in the uh, comments. So, but without further delay, here's Jenna Blake and please enjoy this wonderful conversation uh, that uh, I got to have with Jenna. All right. Hi, Jenna Blake. I'm so excited that you're here and I'm just excited to talk with you. I, I wonder if you would please first introduce yourself and tell uh, everybody a little bit about who you are and what you do. Absolutely. So I'm really excited to be here. I have actually followed you for a long time. I've been in the side hustles group and I've listened to your podcast. Um, this is when I was still working in, in clinics. So this kind of like helped me develop getting out of that environment. But my name is Jenna Blake. My background is I'm a FNP, a family nurse practitioner. Um, and then since then, I've become a certified health coach and a certified functional hormone specialist. Um, and I own my own practice online now called Her Rooted Wellness, where I mostly work with women around hormones. So generally like the premenopausal uh, age woman who's maybe dealing with PCOS, endometriosis, adenomyosis, uh, preconception support, postpartum support, that kind of stuff. Um, and I really, really enjoy the work that I do. Okay. Where, where, um, okay. I have lots of questions, of course, usually, you know, this is how it starts off. I'm like, wait a minute. Okay. Where are you located? Where do you live? I live in Florida. Okay. And are you, where are you licensed? I'm licensed in Florida. In Florida. Okay. Okay. All right. And so your practice does telehealth mostly to women in Florida. Well, actually as a, most of the, yes, I am autonomously practiced in, in Florida. Um, so I can see women as their nurse practitioner in Florida, but most of the work that I do online through my business, um, is health coaching and consulting. So I kind of see women from everywhere for that. And I'm just really clear, like, I'm not your provider. I don't provide diagnoses. I'm not taking that over. Um, it's kind of why I went back to become a certified health coach and the functional hormone specialist. So I could have that flexibility to do both. Um, and since I only really treat from a natural perspective, so I don't do prescriptive hormones. I don't do bioidentical hormones since I work with a younger age group. Um, most of my treatment is just not supplements, nutrition, lifestyle, that sort of thing. Um, so I really work with women from everywhere. 
Okay. Where did you go to do the health coaching? Um, it's a smaller program. It's through a, a provider, Dr. Stephanie Estima, uh, okay. and it's specifically focused on women, women's hormones, metabolism, and health coaching for them. And did you like it? I did. Yeah. I think it was a good jumping off point. Um, I don't know if I would do that program again, um, but I, it's someone's work I personally followed and then it kind of one thing led to another um, and she's created this health coaching program for healthcare providers. Um, and I, yeah, I enjoyed it, but I certainly think then going back and getting my uh, certificate to become a functional hormone specialist through the International Association for Hormone Health, that was uh, a lot more informative. And I, I learned a lot more skills, I would say, in that program. What do you like about coaching and what drew you to it? I think that a lot of, you know, I think that we can create these like beautiful custom protocols for people, um, but then they have a lot of trouble implementing on their own because they face their own roadblocks. And I know even when I was in clinic, I would see someone give them this complete regimen. They'd come back in six months and I would have put like all this thought and planning into this regimen and they come back and they're like, I didn't do any of the things because, you know, they had roadblocks in their own life and there was nobody to support them through that. So I really enjoy being able to see the, the client come up with this protocol and then also meet with them really regularly to help them implement, to help them overcome the roadblocks that come up and kind of coach them through and empower them to implement the protocol into their life. So that's the part that I really enjoyed. And also just, of course, if I see people just as a nurse, as their nurse practitioner, I can, I'm really limited in just being able to see people in Florida. Um, and I found like as a health coach or as some of these other designations, you don't have those same restrictions. Um, there was actually a point where I thought about maybe dropping my nurse practitioner license because it felt so restrictive on who yeah. I could see and who I could help. Um, but now I'm just really clear with people and, you know, even on my website, I have like nurse practitioner turned health coach, like to make it clear. And I'm really clear with every client I see. And in my yeah. course, um, paperwork, they fill out that I'm not becoming your nurse practitioner um, because you're not in a state I'm licensed to work in. So I, it's a really fine line to walk. Yeah. Did now I just out of curiosity, did you end up doing a compact, a compact RN license? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So then how many, how many is that now? I don't even know. I don't have that. I mean, it's a lot like over yeah. half. Yeah. 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 30 something States are in the compact. Okay. okay. And then do you use your nursing license for the health coaching part? Or are you like, no, this is just, is it, I use my certificate, which I got with the health coaching program yeah. and then the hormone specialist program. Yeah. And those are the two that I use to inform the care that I do, I do on the exactly. coaching side. Right. Of course, you know, I still have all my NP and nursing knowledge. So I, I use that, but I don't, um, that's where I have to be really clear that I don't diagnose people. I don't, you know, treat, I'm more looking at optimization and how we can support from a lifestyle standpoint. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't use my nursing. I keep it up because you never know where life's going to take yep. you. Um, so I always keep that up, but I don't currently really use that. And how long have you been an NPA and how long have you been a coach? So I've been a nurse practitioner for just over five years now, and I've been doing the coaching for the past year and a half, two years. What do you like better? I mean, and I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I'm curious, what is there one that to you where you're right. like, yeah, I just love this. 
coaching. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love the coaching and, um, you know, obviously being a nurse practitioner is great, but I work in a, I worked in a really restrictive practice, um, and was really limited on the care I could provide and how I could help people and really limited in the time I could spend with them. Um, and it's more than just like giving somebody a prescription, right? If they don't have the tools and capability to implement, they're not going to get results. So I really enjoyed that part more getting to form really close relationships with people where I'm not just seeing them like once every six months or once every year, but I'm seeing them regularly. We're kind of forming this tight container where we are growing, you know, mutual trust and respect. And then I can help them overcome the things getting in their way. Cause there's always going to be things coming up and kind of nuance as we go along. So I really enjoy it. Obviously I bring my NP skills to that. Um, and I don't think I could do the work I do without being a nurse practitioner as my background. Um, but yeah, I really love the more coaching container. Um, and then what made you become an NP from, and where did you, what kind of nursing did you do prior to becoming an advanced practice nurse? I worked in the ICU. Um, I was, uh, I, I did the trauma ICU and the medical ICU and really after I finished nursing school, I was like, I'm never going back to school because at the time, you know, that feels really hard and you're like, yeah. okay, there's no way. Um, but my mom's been a nurse for 30 plus years and mostly in the ICU. And she was like, you have to go back to school. The bedside isn't, isn't what it used to be. Like you're going to get burnt out. It's not, it's not as great as it once was. Um, and I met my now husband, who's also a nurse, um, also is a nurse. He's a CRNA now. Um, but we met about a year and a half after I started nursing and we both knew, Hey, we don't want to be at the bedside forever. I mean, they just run you ragged. Um, and there's so much that you want to do to help people. And then there's so many restraints and you don't have the resources and, um, you just get incredibly physically burnt out. Um, and so we were like, you know what, we know that we both want to go back to school. Let's just rip the bandaid off, do it so we can get that part of our life over with, and then, uh, go on to, you know, move, start a family, whatever we end up wanting to do. So that's really what forced me into becoming a nurse practitioner. I didn't have a plan on what I wanted to do with that. I just knew I didn't want to be a bedside nurse for my entire career. Like I just, I didn't feel like I physically honestly could, um, so yeah, that, that kind of pushed me into that. And then about six months before I graduated from my NP program, the pulmonologist that I worked with in the ICU, um, found out I was in school and asked me to come be one of their first NPs, um, in their practice. So I secured that job and I moved right into that. Uh, as soon as I graduated, I worked in pulmonology and a sleep medicine practice, um, for about a year. And then I flipped over to an internal medicine and pulmonology practice, um, for about a year. And at that point I decided kind of enough was enough. Um, we had some, some changes come up with the pandemic and we were bought out by kind of like a bigger national org. Um, and that's when I, I left. And how long ago was that? That was, in 2020, it was pretty early on in the pandemic um, okay. that I left my clinic job. And then I did some contract work with CBS. And I really just like took time to figure out what I wanted to do with my life because I realized I had never even like thought about it. You know, I just yeah. was always on the straight and narrow. I went to school. I knew I was going to go right into nursing school, graduated nursing school, I already had this job in the ICU lined up went right into that, you know, NP had this other job lined up and I never like stopped to think like, 
what do I actually want to do with my life? What do I enjoy doing? Like, how do I want to help people? And I was facing such extreme burnout at that point um, that I had kind of like lost sight of like anything other than just putting one foot in front of the other. And I didn't realize how burnt out I was. I mean, I was like crying every day on my way into work and just like thought this was just normal. I was, I would listen to that song. I don't know if you've ever heard it's called fight song. It's like, this is my fight Uh song. I would just like listen to that every day. Like, yeah, I'm just going to keep fighting. And then like, when I finally was forced to take a step back, I was like, wow, I I'm way off track. Like I am so unhappy. And I always just was working towards that goal of like having my name on the door and being a nurse practitioner. And I just thought like, once I got there, that would be, you know, Nirvana, like that would Mm -hmm. be everything. And it, it didn't happen like that. And it took me a long time to recognize that it was so kind of insidious. Why, how, how'd you get into hormones then? Like what was you go, so your pulmonology and then internal medicine and pulmonology. And then how do you, what was the impetus for hormones? So when I, um, left my clinic job, I actually didn't really have a plan for what I was going to do. Um, and I really took like a few months to just, I don't know, have fun employment time, like figure out what I like to do. And in that few months, I realized how, uh, how burnt out I was physically too, and started caring for myself better. I was diagnosed with PCOS as a teenager and there was never any resources, you know, there was never really any information given besides like you can take birth control, um, as the only option. And so I did that for a long time and I struggled with a lot of symptoms and I would go to my GYN and they would just be like, well, I mean, you know, whatever. Um, that's just kind of the plight of being a woman. So I felt like there were just no resources. And so things just continued to decline with my own health because I was getting so burnt out in my career and just always, you know, going a hundred miles an hour. Um, so when I finally stopped and, and I, I left my clinic job, I was like, you know, this is, I really want to just take care of my own body again. Like my periods are a gong show, like every, uh, I can barely get out of bed. I have terrible PMS. And so that's something I really started diving into personally. And then this this book I had read, the author, you know, I got on her email list and saw, oh my gosh, she's starting a health coaching program for healthcare providers. Um, And it just felt so serendipitous. And so I, I, I went into that program and that was kind of the first time I ever realized like, wow, I can take this thing that I love learning about personally and love like playing with personally and and have just been totally diving into. And I can use this to help women professionally. Every woman that I kind of talked to about this, they were like, oh my gosh, my hormones are a wreck too. My periods are a gong show. I have terrible PMS. I have terrible cramps. I can't get out of bed there. My periods been missing for two years and I go to my GYN and, um, you know, I don't, I don't get any answers. And so that's when I realized, okay, I'm really like on something here. Like women need a lot of help. And even my mom was like, well, you're going to help women like in their like twenties, thirties, like, do they really need help with their hormones? Isn't it really mostly like postmenopausal women that need help? Um, but a lot of people don't realize that most people in my age group have been kind of on birth control since their early teens. And now they're wanting to come off of it and maybe conceive or, or just get kind of more in touch with their bodies and everything's a wreck and they're having post pill syndrome and their hormones are just kind of out to lunch. Um, so that's kind of what inspired me, obviously, you know, 
a lot of times when we're in kind of a niche area like that, it's because it's something we struggled with and then fixed and then want to help other people with. And that's certainly true for me. And I just find it to be uh, yeah, just the best work. I just, and working with all women, like that's all I work with is women. And I never knew that was something that I needed, but oh man, I just love it. Did you ever consider doing the WH- WHMP route or CNM route? Um, I considered it. I rotated with the CNM while I was in NP school. Um, but mostly what the CNMs here do is obviously like, you know, work in a hospital and help deliver and like the schedule, you know, like the being on call for many hours at a time. I knew my husband was going to all have a schedule like that as a CRNA and, um, we're also kind of like limited in the state. Like I would say like CNMs, they kind of face a lot of restrictions. Not that I didn't as an FNP, yeah. but I just felt like um, I could do more as an FNP and have more flexibility in what I went into. Yeah. Okay. So, so now, okay. So you have the private practice in Florida um, doing, and then you have the coaching practice where you're treating women outside of Florida. And, um, okay. So where are you going? Where do you think in the next, I don't know, one, two, maybe three years, like, what does it look like for you in terms of the evolution of your business? I definitely want to make it more accessible for more women to get support with their hormones, because I just think that there's so few resources for women struggling with their hormones. And it's really tough to find like compassionate knowledgeable care providers that aren't just going to kind of like medically gaslight you or just kind of write off your symptoms or just tell you like birth control is your only option. So um, I love like my one-on-one work, but I do want to make that work accessible to more women. So I'm trying to create more offerings that can, you know, meet more people where they're at. I have my, I have like a a kind of like a foundational self-paced course, um, which I'm launching in January because I think not everyone can afford or like has the time to do one-on-one style coaching, but I really want more women to have access to the information. Like I, I have this, this big dream of just like changing the women's healthcare space and having this, um, this world where every woman can access like knowledgeable, you know, care providers that are going to listen and provide compassionate, um, empowering care. And this is something I've been like, I don't know, toying with so much lately. So if anyone has input on this, like how to fix this problem, like I've been setting up like all these coffee meetings with people like, okay, how do we like take this problem where women are constantly written off um, and are suffering tremendously? You know, I see patients that tell me, um, you know, I have severe PMDD and I have terrible periods. And so maybe I get one week per cycle where I feel good and I feel like myself and how can women achieve the things that they want to achieve in their life when they get one week per cycle where they feel okay enough to go out and do that. Um, so yeah, like this is, this is obviously a big, a big problem. Um, I guess that's not in the three-year plan, but as quickly as possible, like figuring out how to, how to solve that. Well, and you are, I mean, that's what we do, which is we just start working in our little corner of the world and we start working with one person and then one turns to two and two turns to five and five to 10 and 10 to a hundred and so on and so forth. And that's how change starts always, right? Always starts with the first one and you're doing that, which is incredible. Um, Okay. So 
what's your version of the good life? What does that look like to you? Um, all the things that everyone else says, you know, time with family, freedom, location, freedom, like all of that. Um, but I think one thing that I didn't realize I wanted until I kind of flipped into the owning my own business world was the ability to honor like my body and honor my own feelings. And, um, especially I work in a lot of like cycle thinking and talking to women about kind of how to, um, work with their menstrual cycle. And I think it's really important to like take a day off the first day of your period and like rest, like all your hormones have dropped. Um, so having the flexibility to do things like that and honor my body is really important to me. Um, and, and honor, I guess how I'm feeling being able to step back. Like, you know, when, especially when I was a nurse, no matter what's going on in your life, you have to go into work and and take care of everyone else. You don't really get time off. You know, we'd have to like donate PTO to each other. If someone like had something going on in their life and, um, you know, we had a, we had a hurricane. I live in Southwest Florida. We had a hurricane Irma, uh, several years ago and I was involuntarily on the hurricane team and I had to go to the hospital and stay at the hospital for, for days. Mm. And, um, you don't have the luxury of, thinking about your own feelings or your own family or getting to honor, like, you know, how scared you may feel or kind of what's going on in your own life. You just have to show up and care for everybody else. And I think that there's a cost to pay for that on the other end um, to constantly just have to be pushing down um, how you're feeling and just giving, 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 even when you don't really have anything to give. And my friend Tara, she runs an amazing nursing org um, debriefing the front lines. And she, her whole org is just about, like the moral injury that we face as healthcare providers and this kind of compassion fatigue and um, how we kind of don't have the resources to take care of ourselves and nobody provides that for us. And um, so I think being able to take that back and, and have the flexibility to care for myself and tend to myself when I need to only makes me a better provider and a better person. Um, and I think that is a huge missing component for so many women uh, around having a good life. Yeah, no, I love that. I, I, I totally identify with you. And I think that there are a lot of people who are listening right now who can relate to that. And, and I think too, we've always, I would just add in that we've been taught and conditioned that it wasn't a priority for, for us to prioritize ourselves. Right. I mean, that's a longstanding uh, tradition and a trope that has been very prevalent in media and in culture. And regardless, I mean, if like, if you are in a society that says that women are caregivers, uh, you have been probably subject to uh, some sort of socialization that said to you, if you are not caring for someone else, it is not worthy or valuable or useful and you ought to be useful and, you know, and valuable. And so I think the other piece of that too, is just in addition to the resources aren't there, right? The systems aren't created that way. Um, you know, there, we've also been trained, you know, to be the ones who give until there's nothing left to give and then try to figure out, but how do I give more, even when I have nothing to give? Um, so I just want to make mention of that, but I think that that resonates probably with a lot of people. It certainly does with me. I, I can look back at my own career and see that too. Um, tell me kind of, ha have there been any struggles for you as you've gotten into your business and seeing still some of that come up? Like, have you struggled with that at all? Like still, you know, cause the, I think the interesting thing that I see with my clients and personally is 
we get into entrepreneurship, right? And we think we can create more luxury of freedom of time, freedom of choice in terms of who we care for and what kind of businesses we create. And then also um, flexibility to do it when we want to do it rather than when we are told to do it. And I think those are beautiful, beautiful, amazing qualities of entrepreneurship. And so much of what I see is, right, we it's almost like we exchange one frying pan for another, right? We get out of the toxic system, but then we perpetuate a lot of the toxic behaviors that still contribute to the, oh, it's, you know, day zero of my cycle or day one of my cycle. And I'm, I'm, I'm now on the upswing of hormones, but I feel like shit and, but I'm still going to push through, even though it's my own business, even though it's my own thing. And like, I created my own hours, but <laughs> like, I'm still going to push through. And so I wonder if you have struggled with any of that personally. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think every woman I know struggles with like rest, like resting without guilt, um, and stepping back. I think that's going to be an ongoing issue. I will say it's something I've gotten so much better at over the last couple of years is like checking in with myself every day and recognizing like, where am I, you know, energy wise, do I have a lot to give today, um, to somebody else, or do I need to refocus my efforts, um, on maybe work that doesn't involve like meeting with clients today and, and that sort of thing. Obviously if I have clients scheduled, like, you know, I do have to kind of push through, but cycle syncing my business has been really helpful for understanding like, okay, that week I'm going to be, you know, very low energy, maybe not feeling like being, talking to a lot of people. Um, so maybe I'm going to kind of close some days that week and give myself enough time to rest. So I, I would say that's been really fundamental to building a balanced business, but you know, I'm a woman and I agree with you. We are just taught to continue to give. So in other aspects of my life, I can certainly over, give maybe more than I have the capacity for. And then I'm constantly kind of learning how to rebalance my plate. Um, I, so I, I think that's been going better over time, certainly new, like new levels, new devils, right? Like new things yeah. have come up that I have to work on since starting my business. I'm, I'm glad that I kind of went into it without really knowing anything about entrepreneurship and starting your own business. Because I think if I would have known like all mm -hmm. the things you have to overcome. I never would have started the journey. And I don't say that to scare anybody at all. Um, but there, there's so many things that you, you don't even realize like our fears or things that are going to come up for you until like you're in the trenches doing it. And you're like, wow, I, I wow. I can't believe well, that. But like, here, wait a minute. Hold on. Because I just want to point out, hold on. Cause if you, if you knew that in your career as an NP or as an RN, that it would require you to, during Hurricane Irma, to involuntarily be told to have to stay on shift at a hospital to provide coverage. I mean, like, that's the shit that like, we, I mean, would you, I I mean, and I don't know, maybe you don't even want to an, uh, answer this honestly or publicly, and it's totally fine if you don't, but like, would you, would you choose the same again, if you knew about Hurricane Irma? Yes, because honestly, since my mom is a nurse, I did know like that. That's yeah. kind of, like, I, I did go into that with eyes open of knowing what was going to be like asked of me, but I also knew that I needed an exit plan as quickly as possible because that wasn't yeah. going to be like my life. But a lot of people, and like, I 
thank my lucky stars every day that I was not still bedside nursing, like during the pandemic, I was working in clinics certainly, but, um, you know, the, just, um, amount of hardship these nurses faced and losing, and, you know, I still have lots of friends that work in the hospital, work in the ICU and the amount of patients these people were losing that if I had been experiencing that, like, that's obviously not something I could have prepared yeah. for that. I wouldn't have gone if I had had the heads up. Um, but yeah, I kind of knew what I was getting into. And luckily I don't come from an entrepreneurial family. So I had no idea about what I was getting into with entrepreneurship. I consider that lucky that I didn't know mm-hmm. uh, nursing. <laughs> yeah, I think, and you know, whatever I knew and I still did it, but, but not building your business. It's so much more personal when it's your business, you know, it's like yeah. you're, you're putting your, your heart into the world. And so your heart is like fully in everything you do. Whereas when you're like working for an organization or a hospital or big system, your heart is a hundred percent in it with your patients, but it's not as vulnerable. It's not like, like your worst fears don't come up. You're just kind of like, you know, punching in and then punching out and you're off and it's great. You don't punch out when you own your own business. Like you're always in it. Yeah. What's been the hardest thing would you say for you kind of becoming an entrepreneur? Um, Certainly the the hardest part has been letting myself be seen. I didn't realize that was like a fear of mine um, until I was, I was in it. And I just always said, you know, I never had social media or anything like that personally. And I always just said, oh, I just, you know, don't like that and whatever. And then when I had to do it for my business, because I don't think you have to have social media for your business, but I do think for my target audience, it's a really important part of my, you know, marketing efforts. Um, and so much like fear and resistance came up around that. Like, wait, I have to put my face on the internet and like allow myself to be judged. And then I, um, posted this video. It's, it's a little embarrassing to even say, but on TikTok. Okay. Like we're, we're working with where our target audience is. I posted yep. this video on TikTok. I went from basically like one follower, which was my husband, to like 20,000 followers overnight. Like it was just this like three second video and it was like stupid, whatever. And I got so, so many mean comments on it. Um, the video, all it said was like, you know, uh, something about like when doctors tell you that the, the way to lose weight as a woman is like eat less and move more. And it was just like, you know, that was it. I got so many mean comments just roasting me about how I have no idea what I'm talking about. And that is how you lose weight. And I'm not even a doctor, which like I never said I was. And, um, and, and just so much hate. And that was like my worst fear come true. Like I put myself out there and people did not like, so many women liked it and were like, oh my gosh, this is so validating. This is so amazing. But of course, like our brain, like focuses on like all these people who don't. Yeah. And yeah, if I would have known that that was going to happen, I never would have been able to like go online. But I, I was like, oh yeah, people are, are probably kind of nice on the internet. I hadn't really had social media before. I was like, people don't like it. They'll probably just scroll past. So I'm just going to like do it. I'm just going to put stuff out there. Um, and that was probably the hardest thing for me to overcome. And then after after that happened, oh, oh man, was it hard to get myself back online and, and allow myself to be seen and judged like that. Had no idea how scary that was until I did it. So how did you get yourself back online? Sheer grit and will like, there's no, um, I'm really lucky that I have a lot of support in my life. And my husband now is my, uh, social media manager per se. He will go on and like, see if there's any like mean comments on things and delete them. So I don't have to see, 
Um, but it was just remembering my bigger purpose that like, okay, I'm here to educate women and I'm here to show up for women. And if one woman sees this and feels validated and feels like, oh my gosh, you know, what's happening to me is not my fault. Yeah. That, that is what I'm working towards. Like that is the bigger picture. And remembering that I have this bigger purpose of showing up for women is what for like, it's like, this is like, this is what you have to do. Like, you just have to get over these, these feelings. And I did this, like this meditation, um, kind of recently. And I kind of like connected with like my, my ancestors, my roots it was like a tea ceremony. It was so great. And I was just thinking about like how all of the women that came before me, you know, how, how they all kind of like opened the door for, you know, like how so many women before us, like never had the opportunity to, to even like be in circles of other women talking about these things, about these hormone issues or whatever health issues, like that are even, you know, our moms, grandmas, aunts, like they didn't have any place to go to, to feel validated in how they're feeling in their body to have another woman explain that to them, to be able to go somewhere for help. And it's just thinking about that being like, it's not about me. Like it's, I have to like, I can, I can withstand this judgment if I have to looking at the bigger picture was how I finally kind of, I guess, got through that and got back online. But yeah, it's scary as hell. Just letting yourself be seen in any way and like showing up and letting yourself be heard and putting yourself out there for judgment. That was definitely the hardest part for me to overcome. But I think it was a really important part because I think I was playing small in every area of my life. And I never recognized that until these fears kind of came to a head. And I realized like how long I had played really small to try to avoid that judgment and how you you can't like by default, you already lose if you're playing that small and you just have yeah. to kind of kind of live your purpose and live your truth. So I'm glad I overcame that. I think that's a really important life skill, but it's it was definitely harder than I thought it was going to be. Hmm. I love that. I think and I, I really thank you for sharing it because I it's one of the probably more common uh, thoughts that I hear from my clients, which is this like, like, what do I say? And like, what if they, what will they think? And what, you know, what if they don't like it? And I, and I think it's beautiful just to be really rooted in your why and to have your purpose be so clear, um, not only because it helps to keep the brain focused, right. From a standpoint of like of an evolutionary standpoint, if you engage in the emotional decision-making center of the brain, when you make decisions in your business, you know, you will make some decisions based on usually fear, right? Like fear, insufficiency, scarcity, like those will drive your business decisions and you'll have a business. The question is, will it be a business that you enjoy doing? Will it be something that produces your results that you want? Or you can choose to make, start to make decisions from your prefrontal cortex, which is very rooted in your why, which is like, oh yeah, of course, we're going to have lots of triggers that come up. And, and of course we'll, we'll never make those mean anything about this. And of course I will continue to do work because for that one woman who all of a sudden has an aha moment is like, it's not my fucking fault and has like, just like her fucking shoulders drop about two inches. Cause she's like, yeah. it's not my fault. Oh my God it's really like, what if it's, or, or even if she's just like, what if it isn't always my fault? Like that's worth that in my mind is like, that's worth so much gold in terms of, right. It's worth so much weight in terms of the work that I think you do. And some of the work I do too. Right. If there's one woman who just looks at it or one nurse and is like, Oh, 
like it's, what if it's not my fault? And what if I have choices and what if I can do things differently or I can ask different questions and get a different result? Like that's huge. So I love that you shared it. And just, I thank you for being vulnerable and just um, sharing it. And I, and I would be, I think this would be a good exercise for you to ask yourself on a once a year basis, just to revisit it and be like, it wasn't something I wanted this whole, I'm going to put my three second TikTok out there and it's going to blow up overnight. It wasn't something I wanted. It wasn't something I anticipated. Um, and it sucked. And was it worth it? Right. Like, and just that whole, and just like coming back to that on a year to year basis, it's like working through a pandemic. I would imagine there are some nurses out there who are like completely burnt out. They're so crispy and they'll never go back to the bedside from all of the moral injury. And there are probably some nurses too, who are like, I work through a fucking pandemic and like, I am the baddest, like, like the baddest nurse out there. Like no one can, like I have done good by my people. I worked like I was a total champ. You, like some who used it for their own, the creation of kind of their own self-efficacy. And so I think for you, like, I just think just looking at that and being like, oh, on a year to year basis, what do I think about that whole thing that one day where I put out this video and I got all of these, a lot of hate, a lot of love, a lot of just like people who probably saw it and were like, wow, whatever, right. They just passed <laughs> right by it. And to just look at it and be like, would I do it all over again? Yeah, I, mean, I think that's, that's beautifully said. Yeah, I, I think that's a really powerful activity. And um, yeah, I de- time heals all wounds right now. Um, I do think it gets easier over time, but certainly I feel it in my nervous system every time I go to post something. Like I still feel that little like, well, what if that happens yeah. again? And it's just like putting in the reps. You know, I think every time yep. you do things, it gets a little bit easier. So just like putting in those reps every day, um, and putting yourself out there. But yeah, I, I think that would be a, a really beautiful practice. Yeah. And I think too, one of the things you've learned too, is this whole, like having compassion for who you are in terms of applying cycle syncing to your business activities and the work that you do is so beautiful. And it's the same thing for, you know, an episode like this, which is to be like, how do I show up for myself in a compassionate way? You know, that really supports me and that is loving and humanistic and kind, you know, rooted in loving kindness for me, like for like for my own, the way that I show up compassionately to myself, you know, in that moment where I'm about to post another TikTok and I like, my brain is like, don't do it. This is, we're going to get flooded with haters and it's going to be terrible. Right. And then you're just like, Oh, wait, totally. (laughs) It's totally like, nothing's gone wrong here. My brain is so scared. It wants me to stay in the cave, stay small. Cause that's how it's always protected me. And like, and oh, I have such compassion for that part of my brain. It's totally fine. We are, I always talk with my clients about like, you know, having like all of our peers sit around the, the CEO table, like around the boardroom table. And I'm like, we just like invite everybody in to sit down. We give them each a blankie, a cup of coffee or a, gl- a cup of tea, maybe like a biscuit or a crumpet, something. And we're like, thanks for showing up today. Here's your little blankie. We don't need you actually. So go ahead and have a seat. Like, but you can stay. Like, we just don't need you today. I'm so glad you're here. And just like having such a like compassion for all of those little, you know, um, parts of ourselves, I think is, I think that's like, we want to talk about like, how do you disrupt an entire system? You start yeah. showing up like that in the world and 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 be an example of that. And like you're unstoppable. Agree. Yeah. 
I, I think enough, uh, not enough women ever learn to like give that compassion to themselves. Mm-hmm. I think we're so good at giving compassion to everybody and never ourselves. And I was that way for a very long time. It's like, you don't even make the list. You're like, okay, I give compassion. That yeah. person, that person. Okay. I've, I've done all the compassion. Um, and I think that's such like a beautiful thing to just impart on women. And it's honestly something I talk to clients about too, just like for their health. Like if you have no boundaries in your life, you give yourself no grace, no compassion, no, like your health is going to be a wreck and it doesn't come down to like, Oh, do I need to take dim or Vitex or like, no, it like comes down to like, you need to give yourself some grace. Like the woman we talked about, like her shoulders dropping and like, Oh my gosh, it's not my fault. Like you need to like validate your experience and show up for yourself in a way that feels good for you. Like that's a lot of times the medicine, like I'm not even, like, I don't even put patients on, you know, that many or clients on that many supplements. It really comes down to usually those things, especially for women of just like, you have just given everything you can give. And now it's time to like pull back and say like, how do I, how do I show up for myself and like give myself that grace and compassion? Yeah, no, I love that. Um, the one, um, I just saw a TikTok video, you know, I, you, I don't know how to pronounce his name. It's, I think it's Gabber Mate or Gabber Mate. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Love like, this. but his TikTok video was, I think he was on CEO Diaries and he was like, he's like, this is the connection between women and autoimmune conditions. Like, they don't feel their feelings. They have been trained to constantly give and pour and even when empty. And so, they have like, like there's good data to support that. We know autoimmune conditions run more rampant in women. Um, and so, and typically are starting in their thirties, forties, fifties. And so, and I just, I, I love that video, but, um, but it's so true. I think like on a cellular level, right. We have some, we like the body, the body doesn't lie. Right. Yeah. I, that's a huge part of, of my work, my personal work that I've done for myself as well as, as client work, um, uh, is books like the body keeps the score or, yeah. uh, you know, waking the tiger, amazing books that talk about how a lot of the physical symptoms we experience is just, is our body's way of telling us like, you know, you have overextended, you have, you know, forced these emotions down. You have never like worked through some of these things that have come up for you. And that's why, you know, any, that's why work, like working in conventional medicine, like it just doesn't work Yeah, it doesn't because work. it's just like, you know, like I would see somebody and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm having symptoms of depression and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm having insomnia and God, you know, I, I have it, I hate my job and I, and I go to work and I, and I sit in traffic for two hours. I go to this cube home under these lights and I come home and I have a big fight with my husband. We don't get along at all. We, you know what, and can I have some Prozac? And it's like, there's nothing wrong with you because you feel depressed in that situation. Anybody would feel like anybody would feel depressed in that situation, but those are the conversations you don't have time to even have in clinical practice. And you try to make time and, you know, work through your lunch and uh, do what you can. And, And that led to a lot of burnout for me because you have so few resources and you want to do a good job for people and you just don't have the time. And I remember this physician I worked with, said to me, what takes you so long in visits? It literally takes 90 seconds to write a refill. And he just couldn't understand what, like, what would take me beyond two minutes. Like, why are you talking to them? Yeah, exactly. And I was like, 
Tip, I was just like, okay, I'm not in the right place. Like, oh. no, you guys do not understand me. And I work with all male um, providers. And um, yeah, it, it was like trying to explain to them, yeah. like, they just didn't get it. Um, yeah. Sad. Yeah. Well, that's the current state of, of healthcare. I love that though. Right. No, that's healthcare though. I love it. And I love that you took that and then really went out there and created something for you that works. And that really feels like it's a solution and a you know, in a um, area where we don't have, we don't offer a lot of, we have solutions. We don't offer a lot of solutions, especially in a traditional health, in a traditional healthcare setting or from a very traditional Western medicine, you know, setting. So I love that you've just gone out there and said like, fuck that. Let me just go, let me go create it the way that I want, the way that I know works that's worked for me and that can work for others. So good for you for doing that. Um, okay. If people want to find you, how do they find you? Uh, and what's the best way to contact you if they want to reach out? Yeah. So I, uh, I have a website that has a blog of free information, all, all that it's herrootedwellness.com. Um, and I have social media. Um, I have, like I said, TikTok and Instagram. It's the same on both jennablake.np. And, um, yeah, people can always just send me a DM. I have like a, a link to like a, a free 15 minute meet and greet zoom if people prefer to meet that way, but I'm all about meeting women where they are. So if they just want to DM me, if, you know, they want to send a voice message, whatever that totally works for me, um, whatever I can do to like, make it comfortable for women to like get that support. I love it. Oh my gosh. Well, good for you, Jenna. And I wish you nothing but the best. And I, I love that you're a trail trailblazer, you know, for what's possible when you, you know, get down to the root and really ask yourself, what do I want? And then you go out and you make it happen. And I just think that it's just a beautiful, you know, story and, and just a beautiful offer to create that for, you know, create that space for somebody else and the time for them to process it and to think through it. And, um, it's such a radical, right? Like self like if you think about self-compassion, it's a radical thing to do in a world where you're told, uh, you know, or the right way is to be always doling out compassion to others. And so I love that you're doing that number one for yourself, but also number two for all of your patients and all of your clients. I think it's amazing. Um, okay. So go find Jenna if you haven't. And Jenna, you know, we're going to put a link. Can we put a link to your um, video. We'll put no, we'll put a link in the bio to maybe your TikTok, and we'll have people video, go. Yeah, okay. uh -huh. yeah. They can go watch it. Don't don't yeah. put any more hate on there. No, I'm just kidding. I think you know what? You'll see like in the you comments, know, Jenna. But here, but I want you to think about this. The way that that video got so probably quickly went viral is because of all the comments. So I want. I wonder if you can look at it with your brain, just from an objective standpoint. Be like, a comment is a comment. I don't love them. I don't hate them. I just know that if the comments are there, then my video gets to another woman who literally has a moment of peace because she realizes, number one, it's not her. It's not her fault. And she's not alone. And that's incredible. So bring on those fucking comments. Yeah, you're totally right. And something, you know, really beautiful happened in the comments too, of women saying like, oh my gosh, yeah. no way. I... I always thought it was this. And then other women commenting and saying, Hey, I have that same thing as you. I also have, you know, PCOS, whatever it is. And I also thought the same thing. And then them going kind of like back and forth and it was so beautiful. And I'm like, yeah, that's the, like, that's the part I need to, to focus on and, um, yeah. and realize, but you're right. I mean, comments, get our work out there. 
they do, you know, it's like, I, I mean, it's, that's a part of it. So, and you get to choose kind of how you, how you interpret and what stories you tell. So, um, all right, go find, we'll put a a link in the um, show notes for the, um, that TikTok. We'll put it in. I'm going to totally go find it like after this. Um, but I love it. All right. So go find Jenna Blake. Jenna, thank you so much for coming on. It was a pleasure to talk with you. It was a pleasure to get to know you. I wish you nothing but the best as you go out and build your empire and, um, and report back and keep us posted on how it's going. I just, I love it. So, um, okay. All right, everybody go find Jenna and, uh, Jenna, again, thanks for coming on. It was a pleasure to get to know you. It was a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. Hey, it's Anne. If you're ready to start your own private practice, but you're kind of a little bit overwhelmed about where to start, I want to point you in the direction of a tool and resource that I put together for you that's going to help. It's a great checklist and a free training on how to get started in a private practice. All you have to do is go to my website, www.anconcleycnm.com, and you will see it right there, square front and center. So go to www.anconcleycnm.com and download the free guide and the uh, watch the free training and it will give you a wealth of information for how to make it easier to get your private practice up and off the ground. Not in 2025, not in two to three years. I'm talking now. Let's go and let's get to work. Okay. www.anconkleycnm.com.